Welcome once again to Cabin Devils. My name is David. You must have noticed that for the last few Cabin Devils, we have not been live. It has been recorded and that's on purpose. If you have been following my Facebook page, we've been spending some time as Africa leaders trying to discuss how we can be able to mobilize youth in Africa to reach their fellow youth. But we will also spend some time with Mr. Peter Varkaik. And personally, I've enjoyed the conversations around the meals um, as we walk. And he has agreed to do some of these recordings uh, for us yeah, with his messages uh, that he has been sharing at the conference. Some of them have been personal conversations. But today, he asks a very interesting question. Do you settle for less? And so welcome with me, Mr. Peter Varkaik, as he discusses that very important question. Do you settle for less as he covers the two philosophies? of life. Welcome, Mr. Peter. Well, thank you very much, Peter. That was a, a very great uh, introduction. Thank you very much. So nice to see all of your faces today. I bring you greetings from my wife, Betty, who was hoping to be here, but her test result came back uh, not negative, so she couldn't fly. Uh, so she's back in the U.S., but she sends her greetings. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn them to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Today I'm going to be speaking to you about two philosophies of life. Or, if you are some of the ones here that are involved in ministry, you could say, Two philosophies of ministry. Same thing. So if we are all there at Luke chapter 5, let me begin. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, 
you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are here this morning gathered as brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we desire to hear from your word what you have to say to each one of us in our own situation, in our own context. Father, would you take your word this morning? Would you pierce it deeply into our hearts and may we be forever changed for having heard your most holy and precious word. May you receive the honor, the glory, and the praise in Jesus' name, amen. Let me get a hold of my gadget here. Two philosophies of life. Two philosophies of life. The first I call settle for less. Settle for less. Did you ever find yourself in this situation? I know the French have a saying, uh, it goes like, c'est la vie. That's life. Or in America, sometimes we say, you win some, you lose some. Oh well, settle for less. Let's take a look at what that looks like. We meet the passage here, verses 1 through 3. There's a multitude pressing around Jesus on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He sees two, two boats standing by the lake. But here's what is happening. The fishermen had gone from the boats and they were washing their nets. Okay, what do fishermen do? They catch fish. That's their purpose. That's how they make their living. They catch fish. Now, there were two empty boats and they were just washing their nets. I know washing nets and repairing nets is an important thing, but it's not productive. It doesn't catch fish. It doesn't put money in their pocket. So they were fishing, but they had caught nothing. Was it that there were no fish in the Sea of Galilee? I think there were. They couldn't find them. And so they settled for less. Oh, well, just bring the boats back. We'll wash the nets. Tomorrow is another day. Do you sometimes live your life like that? Very easy to give up? Oh, well. I'm sure in Swahili, you have uh, a phrase that's similar to this. Settle for less, or say la vie, or can't win them all. You have something. Every culture has it. That's where we find ourselves. That's where we find these uh, fishermen uh, at the beginning of our passage. They had settled for less. However, the next is a very explicit instruction. Verse 4. Look at verse 4 with me. 
after Jesus had stopped speaking, he, he was teaching uh, the multitudes from the boat, as he often did. After he had finished that, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. Now, launch out. That's go. Launch out into the deep. The boats were already pulled up on the sand on the shore. And I, I don't know if it was high tide, low tide. Maybe it was low tide, and now they had to push the boats seriously hard across the sand to reach the water and go out. I don't know the situation, but Jesus said, launch out, go. It was personally directed at Simon. He was in charge of the boat. This was Simon's boat. Launch out. It was clearly stated. Jesus didn't speak this in parables. Launch out. Clearly stated. No questions about it. Much like what we have in the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Also, a very clear, explicit instruction. Let me share with you an experience I had the very first month that I was in Nigeria. New missionary, first time in Nigeria, getting used to the place. We had rented a, a, a duplex, half of a duplex. And the landlord lived in the other half. And along with the rent of the duplex, there came um, a young man, 17 and a half, 18 years old. His name was Moses. And I was expected to hire Moses to take care of the outside, the plants, the bushes, sweeping up, taking care of the grounds, wash the car, things like that. So uh, that's okay. So about 10 days after we had moved in there, uh, we had a pickup truck, a Toyota Hilux, and it was getting a little dirty. Moses, would you come and wash the pickup? I brought an empty five-gallon pail, some soap, a sponge, some old towels. Please wash the pickup. Okay. Yes, sir. Moses didn't speak English very well. So I went back inside, and Moses was there, ready. Uh, we didn't have a, a garden hose that would reach. So Moses would wash and then take a five-gallon pail to rinse it off. And I'm inside working on some messages, and uh, I glance outside, and Moses is doing a great job on the outside. A few minutes later, I glance out the window, only just in time to see Moses with a full 
five-gallon pail of water, the two front doors of the pickup open, whoosh, there was water running out of the air conditioning vents, water running out of the cassette player of the radio. Oh! I soon came, I mean, I had to, at first I was angry. What are you doing? Then I had to calm down and realize it was my mistake. Apparently Moses had never washed a vehicle before. The outside was easy, right? And what works for the outside works for the inside. No, no. So I quickly disconnected the battery so electronic things wouldn't begin to short out and malfunction. And this happened to be dry season, which was good. I left the vehicle for a good five days before I connected the battery and tried the key. By God's grace, everything worked. Even the cassette player, that water was running. <laughs> so um, we have to make sure that the instructions are clearly, easily understood. Uh, Moses didn't understand and uh, I had not given him uh, good, good instructions. But in this situation, Peter certainly understood what Jesus was asking, launch out, go. And uh, so the second part of that instruction was let down. That's get, get the fish, uh, bring the fish in. A lot of times in our churches, even in our ministries, we view the fish, we swim with them, we study them, we talk about them, we take classes, evangelism classes, uh, all kinds of things. But do we go? Do we actually go and get them? bring them in, share the gospel with them. Sometimes we fall short in that aspect. I'm reminded, uh, Peter mentioned that we worked with the Fulani people, Muslim nomadic cattle herding tribe in Northern Nigeria, Southern Niger Republic. Well, there was uh, a Danish anthropologist, her name was Meta, Bovin. Meta had come about three years before we came, and she was studying the Fulani, studying their culture, their different ways of living, and uh, the markings on their face, what was the meaning of this, and tribal hierarchy, and, and all of these things that anthropologists do. And she wrote actually a, a very nice book, I have a copy of it, very in informative. And then when we came, of course, we shared the gospel. We led, led many of the Fulani to Christ. And as they came to Christ, they began to say, why didn't Meta tell us about Isa al-Masihu, Jesus the Messiah? And they were very hurt 
Metta was here before. She never said anything about Jesus. She studied them, everything. And I had to explain to them, most likely Metta doesn't know Jesus. Oh, well, we will tell her when she comes again. Already they were evangelists. They thought every foreigner was a Christian and knew Jesus. And so they were hurt. But you see, Metta was viewing the fish, swimming with the fish, studying them, talking about them, but not leading them to Christ. I hope we are not guilty of that in our lives or ministry. We are called to catch fish. That's what Jesus instructed them to do. The next, in the text, we see experiential objection. Verse 5a, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Now, where was Peter coming from? What was his life experience? What was his context? Peter was a fisherman. Peter knew full well, you don't fish in the day. You fish at night. Anyone would know that. And so who was this preacher coming in and telling him, an experienced fisherman, that he should go and let the nets out in the middle of the day? And even at that, Jesus said, go out into the deep. That's what it says in the text. In verse 4, launch out into the deep. Well, every self-respecting fisherman knows you don't fish in the deep. Your, your nets can't get down uh, far enough. You fish at night in the shallows. That's how you will catch fish. And now this evangelist or prophet, whoever he was, coming and telling them, how to catch fish. You see, oftentimes, God's request in our lives doesn't make sense. Doesn't make human sense. I remember when the Lord was working on my heart, calling me to be a missionary. I had a, a very good business. I was making good money. I had a big, big house, the biggest one in the neighborhood. I had several fancy cars. We would go on nice vacations every year, sometimes several times a year. Life was good. And then God said, I want you to be a missionary. Some of my friends at church said, wait a minute, buddy. You're 40 years old. Forget about this missionary thing that you've cooked up in your brain. You're having a midlife crisis. <laughs> you should go out and buy a, a BMW sports car or something and, and forget about that missionary thing. Christian friends in church, none of you are like that, I know. I can tell by your faces. None of you are like that. Uh -huh. So... It didn't make sense, but God was calling me. I couldn't shake it. It was undeniable. 
It doesn't make sense. God often does that. Why does he do that? Why does he not call you and, and it makes sense? Why does it have to defy common wisdom and common logic? Because he wants us to follow him by faith. You all know Hebrews 11.6, right? You could quote it. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Impossible. So we must have faith if we're going to follow him. Well, the other thing was comfortable experience. You see, Peter most likely was from a long line of fishermen. That's the way things worked in those days. If your father was a fisherman, you would learn the, the trade, the skill from your father, and you too would become a fisherman. So most likely, there were generations of experience in fishing. Now that's worth something. Also, there was personal experience. This wasn't Peter's first uh, time out on the sea fishing. He had fished for years. He knew what he was doing. Every once in a while, you have a bad night. Don't worry about it. Personal experience. And here's where the important part of the text is, I think. Verse 5b, second part of verse 5. We read this. Nevertheless, what was the first part, the first uh, style or philosophy of life? It was settle for less. Now we see the second. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. That's a big change in the, the scene that we have going on. Nevertheless, that's the one I like. And we see Peter's exceptional obedience. Remember, this is not at the end of Jesus' ministry where Peter and the disciples would have been with Jesus for three years. This was at the beginning. Jesus had yet to call Peter to be one of his disciples. Well, Simon was his name. Jesus hadn't even changed his name to Peter. So he didn't know who this guy... Well, I'm sure he heard some things through the grapevine who this guy Jesus was, but he didn't really know him. Yet, you see what he did. He set aside his experience this conventional wisdom. I remember before I first went to Nigeria, I'd received a lot of advice from other people connected to that Fulani ministry. You must be a veterinarian so that you can take care of their cows and that's how you will earn the right to share the gospel with them. Or you could be a medical doctor and treat them for their physical maladies and also earn the right. I said, Lord, I, at the time I, I was a house painter. Fulani are nomads. They don't even have houses. 
so what can I do? And the Lord said, you have this, my word, that's all you need. So when we would go and we would meet a new group of Fulani, I would introduce myself as Modibo Deftere Allah, teacher of the word of God. That's who I am. You have a sore back? I can't help you. I also have a sore back. If you find something, let me know. <laughs> your, your cow is having problems? I don't know. All I know is I like to eat meat. <laughs> so uh, I had the word of God. And invariably, when I introduced myself as a teacher of God's word, then came the questions, the spiritual questions. I had this old antique Bible. It's about that thick, that big, from 1836. Very impressive. And the white cloth. I would take this impressive Bible out of a special box. I would lay the white cloth. And say, what was your question again? <laughs> okay. Ceremoniously, I would turn the pages of this big, mighty, impressive Bible. And with my finger pointing along, I would read an appropriate passage of God's word, answering their question. Not my words. See, I'm reading from the Holy Scriptures, the word of God. God used that so many Fulani came to know Jesus Christ to his honor and glory. I wasn't a veterinarian. That was the conventional wisdom. We had to set it aside. Peter set it aside and he said, nevertheless, at your word, he had faith in Jesus, even though he barely knew him. It was an unreserved trust. No doubt, no hesitation. He said, I believe you. We need to be reminded that we are to follow the wisdom of the word, not the wisdom of the world. Big difference. Big difference. And how can we follow the wisdom of the word if we don't know what it says? Thank God you're here this morning and you're hearing about a portion of God's word. Every day, do you begin your day by reading God's word, giving him opportunity to reach your heart, to reach your mind with his word. I pray that you do every day. Well, what do we see? Peter was obedient. He had faith. We see encompassing results. More fish than one boat could hold. More fish than one boat. That's amazing. It's just a huge catch of fish. Ephesians 3 and verse 20, you know it, says this, Now to him who was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Dot, dot, dot. Do we dare to think big for God? He's able. He can do it. Others quickly joined in the catch. 
you will find when you have a successful life, a successful walk with the Lord, people around you will see it. They'll want to join with you. They'll want to be friends with you. They'll want to ask you questions. Why? Or if you're in ministry, they will see a successful ministry. They will want to join and come alongside. The catch of fish that day was limited only by the size of the net and the number of boats. Can you imagine if they had 10 boats? I think they could have filled 10 boats. They had only two. And they filled them. Jesus filled them. We often limit God. Let's not put limits on God. Dare to dream big. We serve a big, big God. And we finish up the passage looking at the eternal purpose. Eternal purpose. Each one of us is an eternal being. We're here just for a small time on the face of this earth, but God has work for us to do. And I'm not just saying as a missionary, Every single person before that, I was a, a house painter. I had work to do. I had opportunity to share the gospel with customers, with the, the salesman at the paint store. I had work to do. And so do you. So do we all. Conviction of sin. I like Peter's reaction. It was much like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. Woe, woe unto me, Lord. Uh, it says, I am a, I'm a sinful man. When we compare ourselves to the holy God, woe, we should fall to our knees, acknowledge our sin, acknowledge our inadequacy, our shortcomings and say, oh Lord, please fill me, empower me, enable me to serve you to do great things. Then we hear Jesus say uh, to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. He gave Simon a, a different focus, a different purpose, an eternal purpose. That's one of the things God did in, in my heart was, look, you're painting these houses, these buildings, and when you're finished, they look beautiful. 10 years, 15 years, 20 years from now, how will they look? Not so fine anymore. Why don't you come and work for me? Jesus said, I will give you eternal work. Every soul that we bring into the kingdom is forever. Complete commitment. We didn't see Simon say, well, you know, I've got a lot of commitments. Uh, I'm supposed to be he here on Monday, and then, oh yeah, Wednesday I have this thing. What did he do? Brought the boats to land, forsook all, left everything behind. He was all in, and he followed Jesus. Are you all in? 
for Jesus. Today we've been faced with two philosophies of life. Most of us are willing to settle for less. Is that where you are today? Are you willing to settle for less? Is that even the life you're now living? I think God has challenged us to follow him nevertheless, to take that required step of faith. What will we do about it? What decision will you make today? How will your philosophy of life be from today moving forward? Settle for less or nevertheless? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your most holy and precious word. Father, we're thankful that you have given us your word that you might guide us, guide our hearts and our minds into your eternal truth. Father, I pray for each one here, myself included, that we would seek your face, that we would have the faith, ask you to give us the faith to make the next step that you are asking so that we could follow you nevertheless at your word. We'll be obedient. We'll trust and obey. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen.